0: Bobby Thompson and it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born,
1: marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on try.
0: Talking baseball. Lazooski campanella talking baseball.
1: Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Dave D'Agostino. I'm joined here by my co-host today, Mark Wiley. We're without Will George, who's on his way to spring training, so we'll miss him today. But you've tuned in for episode 127 now. We're that far along. And this is A Day at the Yard, Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will. Great guest today, uh, former Baltimore Scott McGregor, which I'll have Mark introduce and do a bio in a minute. But first, I want to communicate with our listeners here. I want to thank our 12,600 subscribers to date from 46 different countries and climbing right now. Remember, after the show, continue to download, listen, like, subscribe so we get credit for the, the podcast and we can continue to bring you great content every week. We, As you know, we have seven shows on the network and we're continuing to give you a variety. We give you big leaguers, hall of famers. We give you people in and around baseball in all different capacities. So you can also contact us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, I'm active on Facebook every morning, answering a question of the day. Today's uh, response is we had 179 people uh, DM us today, Mark. I responded to everybody uh, bright and early and got our one question out like we normally do. Remember that we are on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast network. You can find us on those four. So with that, uh, Mark, welcome back to your show. The star of our show today, or without your your co-host. Will George, but you'll hold down the fort very easily. You have to throw a complete game today. That's right yeah. up your alley and right up our guest's alley too.
2: Yeah, some of the some of the people uh, have to work around this this place. And, yeah, like uh, you and me. Like you and <laughs> one of them uh, going to spring training uh, <clears throat> to do his job as a scout for the Rockies. Um, I, I will. I know he'll he'll miss not being on with Scotty because he's got a relationship with Scotty, uh, being another past Oriole. Uh, Uh, oil player. Uh, Scott McGregor is one of the greatest pitchers in Oriole history. Um, I've been friends with him for years. Uh, Got to coaching briefly. Um, A lot of different uh, contacts. We have a lot of mutual friends. Um, I've had a really good time with Scotty through our careers uh, on and off the field. Um, uh, Scotty, I'll start off with your amateur career. Um, you know, people always want to know how does somebody get into professional baseball with you. It was pretty easy. Um, you started out as a kid. In 1969, you won the Babe Ruth Little League World Series and threw two shutouts in it. That, I guess that gave an indication to all the scouts or people who watch baseball that there might be a future in it for you. 71 and 72, you were two-time MVP of CIF uh, AAA in Los Angeles County, which is a big deal, um, I'm from Southern California, and uh, there are a lot of great players, uh, even in the Hall of Fame, that are from the Los Angeles area. And for you to be MVP of that those, uh, those CIF section is really something. In 71, you won the city championship. In 72, you threw two back-to-back no-hitters. Um, that's, that probably kept, catapulted you to the number one pick with the Yankees, 14th pick overall. Uh, when you were in high school, you also you played with George Brett, a Hall of Famer that we all know, and uh, and you are in the Hall of Fame at Segundo High School. Uh, your major league career started in uh, <clears throat> with a trade, uh, an eight player trade with the Orioles. You were with the Yankees in the minor leagues from seventy two to seventy five. Um, when you got to the Orioles, you, you made it to the big leagues in 1976 to 1988, uh, 13 seasons. You won 138 games, 399 on run average, 2,140 innings, 83 complete games in 309 starts. Throwing two, 2,140 innings, if anybody ever studies baseball, that's kind of the golden number. Uh, When you get to that level, you've really accomplished something. Along with that, I'd like to go over some of your accomplishments. Um, Your career, you're one of the best fielding pitchers of your era. In 13 seasons, you only made nine errors. Uh, In your career, you had a 2.2 walk per game ratio, um, which is incredible. Um, even in, in 78, 79, and 83, in those three seasons, you walked less than two guys a game, which is, again, incredible. In 1979, you, you led the American League in whip, uh, walks per nine at 1.2, uh, strikeout ratio f- 3.52. Um you led the league in all those categories. In 1980, you were sixth of the Cy Young Award winner in, uh, in the uh, Cy Young Award uh, voting, and you were 20-8 and eight record. 81 on the AL All-Star team. Again, in 83, you were sixth on the AL uh, C- <coughs> Cy Young Award voting. Um, you threw, and this is impressive in today's world or any world, but back then, you threw in six seasons. You had over 200 innings per year. Uh, in uh, in 1978 to '86, uh, you were double figures in wins nine straight seasons. In 1980, you threw a 79 pitch game, complete game, one nothing shutout, beating Dave Steve with Toronto. In 1979, you pitched in the ALCS and shut out the Angels on six hits. In 79 in the World Series, you had two starts. You were one and one with 17 innings pitched, only two walks with a 3-1-8 during run average. Then we moved on to 83 when you were back in the ALCS. You lost a game against the White Sox, two to one. Um, And then in 83 again in the World Series, you lost 2-1 to one again to the Phillies and then clinched the series with a 5-0 shutout against the uh, Philadelphia Phillies in 1983. In 1990, you were elected to the Baltimore Orioles Hall of Fame. Your coaching career has been a minor league coach from 2002 to 2013 at various levels in the Baltimore organization. In 2013, you were the Major League Bullpen coach 2014 to 20. You were minor league rehab coordinator for the Orioles 2020 to the present. 2000, I'm sorry, 2021 to the present. You are a special instructor in spring training where you are right now. Uh, welcome to the show, Scotty. It took a lot of a lot of reading to, com- to, to put all your accomplishments and what you've done down, but it but but it just shows and paints a picture of Oh, what a great pitcher you are and what a great person you are.
3: Well, thank you, Mark. And uh, I was very, very fortunate. I had a great upbringing. You know, you mentioned it, playing high school ball with George Brett. And we were, we were just taught how to play the game way back, and uh, it was great. It's, you know, the only unfortunate thing is, is you had to be my pitching coach when I sucked.
2: That's <laughs> <laughs> after you hurt your arm. We tried though. We tried
3: hard. We, t- we tried hard, but there was not. Richie Band, sales and trainer said so he could do a figure eight with my shoulder. It was so loose, and uh, yeah, I ran out of bullets. Unfortunately, I think we all did for you. you we weren't nice to you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, the Orioles are such a great organization. You know, particularly known for pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only in your era, which they were great, and, and I was fortunate enough to be friends with and coach some of the guys, and and be close to the organization at that time, having working in it, and then uh, before that, they had, they were they were great in the earlier years right. when when Jim Palmer was young, and they had Quayar Mcnally, and they had a lot of great guys, and they added. They even added guys that yes. other organizations that end up being twenty game winners and Cy Young awards. So, I mean, the philosophy really paid off. What What do you feel like was different with the Orioles than maybe some other teams?
3: Well, I think uh, Earl Weaver had a lot to do with it because uh, he couldn't stand it if you didn't throw it over the plate, and uh, you, know, he, you know, you you make, he made me throw the ball over the plate and he, and he was smart enough to uh, see that I needed to be a little bit more like Quay R McNally. Cause when I first came up, everything was like hard, a hard slider, hard curve ball, you know, but I didn't really have, I didn't have my change up then. And so uh, Palmer was a, a strike thrower. Uh, I think uh, Jimmy taught us, you know, how to navigate a game and uh, pitch according to the scoreboard and, uh, and And realize, like we said a little bit earlier, you know, if you just place the ball on on the on the right side of, on the other side of the plate, you could keep people in the ballpark and and, and I think there was just some common philosophies, and then I think there's also a lot of osmosis that ran through that system. Anybody that came in there pitched pretty darn well, and uh, uh it, it was just great defenses. You know, my first start, I had Brooks Robinson at third, Melanger, Paulie Blair, and I said, I, "I'm crazy if I don't throw it over the plate." So these guys catch everything. So I think it's just a matter of uh, trusting yourself and uh, and throwing strikes.
2: Well, I always, you know, I always say that, you know, particularly when there's a big lead, and I know Jim's kind of this way. Um, you know, when you have a big lead, you you pitch to win. You don't pitch to keep from losing. Yeah. And, you, know, you see, you see teams, you see pitchers over my career. I'm sure you have too, to where you get a big lead, and it's early in the game, and you get a big lead, and all of a sudden, uh, you're throwing more pitchers down the middle when you get behind in the count because you figure you got room to play with, rather than make them miss hit the ball, th- keep throwing strikes, but but keep that that limit that predictability. You well, know, to me in today's game, the predictability is a problem because they throw so many predictable pitches. Yes, that you know, it's not surprising that they can hit hitters can hit so well against that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh,
3: uh, I, I loved it obviously when I got a big lead. It didn't give you a chance to to go right after him. You knew you could make some mistakes, or, or you know. But it, the key was Palmer used to preach it, and anybody that was any good, make them get three hits to go score a run off you, you know, and, and, and once, once again, the defenses were so good that they'd turn a double play or they make a catch or just get the, get the out. And, uh, yeah, you just, uh, you got to put the pedal to the metal. The biggest thing is that shutout inning after you get runs.
2: Right, right. You know, that's, that was a, a big thing that was preached with the Orioles organization. I remember that. Do you, um, You know, you told me this story about how you kind of changed your style and you were throwing batting practice. I think it was Bambi, uh, Bamberger, and Earl were watching you throw. And uh, maybe you could tell that story.
3: Yeah. uh, Like I said, when I first came up, you know, like the the second or third time around, they could could time me up pretty good because, like I said, there was not a lot of variation in the speeds. You know, Uh, I had good stuff, but, you know, that doesn't work up there. And so – I came to the ballpark one day and Earl called me in and said, you're going to throw batting practice today and I want you to get your curveball in the 60s, you know, because I see it's in Cuellar and McNally and, and I think he realized I was like like those guys. And so I get out there throwing BP, I get loose and I try, you know, they get the radar gun out and I throw one. What was that? 75. I go, oh my goodness. Then I throw another one, tried to get it down a little bit and finally they said, no, you got to slow it down. So, I came through my wind-up. I hesitated up top with that funky delivery I ended up with and flipped it in there at 65. He goes, there you go. I said, wow. So that's I went from a traditional wind-up to my hesitation, uh, to like you were doing a Mr. Miyagi chop or something out there. But uh, I never forget the first time I did it, I threw it to Lamar, uh, Johnson, uh, Lamar Johnson in uh, Chicago. I flipped it up there, and he grounded it back to me, and I threw it to first. I looked in the dugout. Earl was giving that little laugh of his and saying, there you go. That's what you got to do. So it changed everything, you know, because now I had a fastball. I think I was 90 when I first came up. At least that's what Eddie Murray used to say. And that my fastball came down a little bit, but now I had a curveball in the 60s, a changeup in 72, 74, and then a fastball in the mid to upper 80s. So it was such a change of speeds that it just made pitching a lot easier. I
1: want to ask both you guys: what's the optimum uh, distance in terms of mile per hour between pitches? Like you're mentioning,
3: uh, ten miles. If you got ten miles, yeah. I, I would think
2: they. they yeah, they, Most people in today's world say, and and I always believe that if you had ten miles off on your change up, off your fastball, it was a proper speed. But you know, really. Um, if you go with that philosophy sometimes guys that throw a harder change up mm-hmm. uh, they never really develop it they keep trying to push the ball they try to get that 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 golden level of 10 miles an hour off your speed and and it takes away from it i had i've had guys that threw 93 and they threw 87 mile an hour changeups ups yeah. and nobody could hit them and yeah. i could. it was a it was what well, you can even talk about this BP fastball philosophy a lot of the guys the Orioles had. That's yeah. what they called it, and that's kind of basically what it was, was something off-speed fastball.
3: Yeah, with, with, as long as you got arm action on it, that's the key to it. If you got good arm action on it, then you don't have to kill. I threw a palm ball, so that's why mine went, went gosh, I think there was times it was 15 miles an hour slower. Guys could be like Bugs Bunny, swing three times before it got up there. But uh, uh, yeah, because I, I'm sitting there watching the kids throw today, watching their bullpens, and you're right, you know. But all it takes is a is a pitch coming straight at you. They can see the hump on a breaking ball, but if it's coming straight at you and they're not sure if it's a fastball or a changeup, that evens things out nicely.
2: Well, you know, during all the years I was a pitching coach and and. uh and when I played, there were always these guys like you, you know, like the the Moyers, the Tananas, Tommy John, Burley. There were always guys like that. And, you know, they were always one of the better pitchers in the league. And they none of them had the big fastball. Mm-hmm. But they had a total idea like you did on changing speeds and reading hitters. And, you know, I, I think I already know the answer to this, but, you know, how do you think that will work in today's game? Because you don't see guys trying to do that as much now.
3: Well, I think it still works, you know. And I watch every game all the time, every night, and I can see it when they guy takes a big swing and you come back with something, take something off. Uh, uh, you know, you know you're you know I guess hitters are much more like a one swing path, you know, lift and separate and go, you know. And so I don't know if they if you can set them up, maybe, maybe that's what you're talking about. I don't know if you, back in the day, you you know, I knew when when I pitched, I'd I'd go out during BP and watch them. They're all hitting the ball to right field. Everybody's going the other way. So the first three innings, I'm throwing fastballs in, fastballs in, trying to speed them back up, you know. And so, you know, it's just a matter of watching. You still have to watch the swing, you know, throw a pitch, gather information and throw the next one.
2: You know, you know, with the way, the way they lift and, how they don't cut their swings down with two strikes, and to me it seems like it's even easier. It yeah. seems like it would work even easier yeah and, and the problem that gets in the way of it the guys that can do that don't command the ball good enough
0: well, they don't
2: realize the value of throwing strikes and commanding the ball and getting outs before you get before you get three balls on a guy,
0: yeah
2: and, and uh to me. You know, and that's all I preached. And, and, and it is so funny when I watch games now and I see major league pitchers that were real hard throwers probably earlier in their career. And now the changeups become a major pitch for them and they're just as successful or more successful than they were they threw hard. Sure. And people kind of lump it in and go, oh, the guy's pitched for 15 years. Boy, he's been great all these years. But when you look back and you start to see – God, he got even better when he started mixing more changeups in and understanding the value of it.
3: Yeah, how about Grinky?
2: Well, Grinky's <laughs> is unbelievable.
3: <laughs> that's, that's amazing to watch.
2: <laughs> you know, I always say to people that they always ask pitching coaches, you know, like, what, what do you talk to those guys when you go to the mound and stuff? And I said, well, you know, it's a lot of different things. Sometimes you're giving them a little help with an idea of what you think might work, sometimes you're calming guys down. But I'll tell you this, that when I look into a pitcher's eyes all those years I coached, I can the ones I feel more com- most comfortable with are the guys that I'm, I feel like I'm sitting in the living room when we're shooting the bull yeah. in the middle of a game with 50,000 people screaming yeah. in a, in a, in a bases-loaded, two-out crunch situation, mm-hmm. and their heartbeat doesn't increase. I mean, I watch Cranky, and it's so funny. Sometimes you see him mouth what he's going to throw to the catcher. Oh, yes. Yeah. You see him just play the game and have fun mm-hmm. and understand this isn't like brain surgery. Yeah. It's just relax and you can see a lot more things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You
2: know, that's what I always felt with you. I always, I take back to all those great games you pitched in the playoffs. You had, a, in the playoffs, you had a 1.63 year average for your career in all the playoffs game. That's, I don't know where that ranks. It's got to be right up the top.
3: My. One of my favorite things happened a few years ago. When Verlander was pitching a final game. At, you know, it was like the seventh game, and, and the stat came up. Uh, with pitchers of more than 15 innings in clinching games, it was Verlander, me, and Sandy Koufax. I was above Sandy Koufax. That <laughs>
2: That's, <laughs> you're <talking> That's <laughs> what you're talking about. That's what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah that is the you know those are the coolest things and you know when i do these bios before the show you know a lot of times i come up with stuff i i pull it out and the guy goes god i didn't even know that
0: yeah you know i
2: i i had a we had a uh, ken cravic on recently and i i told him that i said you li- you you still hold the career shutout record for division two baseball Wow, and i said that's like 40 years later yeah, <laughs> you know right. and he says Really? And I said, yeah, you know, that's the fun because all my friends that I'm interviewing like yourself, you know, I get to dig in there and see kind of what you did. Maybe I didn't know that how good you were in high school or something, you know, it's really, it's kind of fun for me.
3: Yeah, um, a, like, I was like 51 and four in high school. I still hold the records in California. Like, <laughs> like, Who we'll beat, we'll
0: beat, like we'll
2: beat
3: you? Like a point three six ERA. You know, <laughs> it was stupid. <laughs> You know, oh yeah, who
2: was it that beat you in one final game? I, I, I read that. Oh, oh, Thomas was that Roy? Roy Thomas, yeah. Remember Roy Thomas? He pitched in the big leagues.
3: Yeah, it was me and George and Roy Howell and Roy Thomas was on Lompoc. They beat us in '70, and we beat them in '71 in Anaheim.
2: That's really cool. Yes. That is really
1: cool. Scott, who introduced you to the game when you were young?
3: <laughs> My dad, I guess. I was I was in little league. Uh, my dad was a coach, and but uh, I was his bat boy when I was seven. You know, he and then uh, it, it was like God made me and just said, "Okay, you're going to go play baseball. Go get them." You know, there was no Ted Amansky videos or anything going on. You know, we just went out, and by the time I'm nine, they're facing me up against the eleven-year-olds, and I'm beating them. It was just, uh, it was just pure, you know. God-given talent, I tell you what. And then, then, and then, I grew up in El Segundo, which was a tremendous uh, baseball town. My idol of all time was Kenny Brett. I used to sit there and watch him pitch when I was a kid. He was tremendous. And uh, my coach in high school was an old UCLA catcher, and uh, I, you know, he, I think he must have known Johnny Wooden back then. He would, te- you know, this is how you play catch. This is how you do this, you know. And and he, screw, he was like Earl he was like Earl. He demanded you, you didn't mess up PFPs. And, and, uh, and, you know, it was, it, it was just something that I loved doing. And, uh, I just kept doing well.
1: Were you a multi-sport athlete?
3: Yep. Played, uh, basketball in high school and uh, I played, uh, f- uh, Pop Warner football in our junior high. And, uh, my second year playing that, I was on a practice safety and I came up and stuck a guy and dislocated my right shoulder. I'm laying on the ground. <laughs> my dad goes, what arm is it? I go, my right. He goes, ah, oh, you're okay. <laughs> 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 and, so, and so my freshman year in high school, I won 15 games. And so coach Stevenson and my dad said, uh, are you going to play football. I go, no, but I played C football my freshman year and then I won games. And so I stopped playing football at that point. So and I just played basketball, got ready for f- baseball.
1: We've got a lot of young kids listening that are they get kind of pushed into specializing mm-hmm. nowadays. What are your thoughts on that? I
3: hate it. You know, I think uh, I think kids. Uh, I know, Mark. One of your questions about what do you say to parents? Uh, don't make them. Don't let them play year round all the time. You know, and let them be multi-sport guys and be athletic because being athletic is a tremendous advantage. Is it?
2: Yeah, it's it, too many. Too many parents in today's game. You know, they set the goal to be a major league pitcher when the kid's like nine. Oh God! And it's just it's just beyond belief to me. And I I know you're a man of a strong Christian faith, and you've worked as a youth minister, and you know you're dealing with parents on even a lot more important things than baseball and I mean, what kind of advice you have as far as is prior what you what you're looking for in life
0: yeah i think
3: i think it's just a matter of uh like i said i think one of the biggest things is these kids just, the the focus is wrong you know the focus should be that yes okay there's nothing wrong with being good there's nothing wrong with you know all these Travel teams and, uh, I don't know, you know, it, but the purpose is for a kid to, you know, be successful, be healthy, you know, enjoy what he's doing. And, and, and it's, and if they're, if, if you're a parent and your kid, you know, you got to be honest, I think, more than anything else, because you look out there on the field and you see your kid playing with them, the good ones are head above the other ones. And, and uh, the, the odds of them getting to the big leagues? Well, you got to be kidding me! I mean, I, I, you know, we think back. And you think back and go, "How'd we do that?" You know, I don't care how good I was in high school. I'll never forget when I signed in the Yankees. Now, I, I came to Marley Camp the first time, I said, "You got to be kidding me! Hundreds of guys running around here. I got no chance." You know, but uh, I, I just think that they get parents need to be careful. They don't uh, overdo it and, and tap these kids out. You know, and the uh, I think that uh, my 18-year-old arm compared to an 18-year-old today, theirs is like a 25-year-old arm compared to what I had, you know? Right. So, I mean, we played, I think- played Little League. I pitched once a week, played first base or shortstop even in Little League. And then in high school, Eddie Carroll was drafted by the Dodgers. He was the other left, two of us. And we pitched. I played first, he pitched, and I pitched the next game, you know? And so and we played Legion ball in the summer, and that was fun. But uh, it, it just, uh, it was a good balance.
2: There, there was so much, there's so much more maximum effort now because of, you know, radar guns and mm-hmm. spin rates and that kind of stuff than when we grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were growing up, they, they you know, you, they ask you, you know, how's this guy throw? He throws pretty good. Yes. He's a really good pitcher. He, well, how hard does he throw? He says, "I don't know how hard he throws." Nobody had a radar gun. They, they, they said, "All I know is he gets a lot of people out." Yeah. Uh, and sometimes now you talk to somebody, and the first thing comes up is how hard he throws. You well, know, my question is: Is he does he ever win?
0: You know.
3: Yeah. Right. Well, that's the thing that's been taken away from him because that's what they're graded on. You know, when you sign, you get your fastball you know, bonus, mm-hmm. you know, after that, you got to learn to pitch, but you're right. That's, I can't blame the kids because every time you look at them, they got a gun pointed at them. And, and, uh, and if you're not throwing hard enough, of course, then if you get into scouting, then you have to fudge it a little bit. So somebody will come look at your kid, you know, tell them that he's yeah. a couple miles an hour faster. So someone might come look at him. <laughs> I don't it's,
2: Yeah, I still do that. Scouts. Yeah. Scouts, scouts that life, like a guy and they want somebody to sign him, they'll do it. They'll, they'll, they'll fudge a little bit on the velocity just yeah. to make sure that they yeah. kind of fit into the, the level they want them at.
3: I was – it was – a Smoltzy has a lot of good things. It was like MLB channel during spring training in 19 or so. And uh, somebody asked him, said, so, what was your program in the offseason? And he went into his little thing. He said, listen, guys back then trained to play – 15 years in the big leagues. Now they train for five.
0: <laughs>
3: and, you know, through your option year and, and see if you can make some money. But he said that, you know, they don't, that, that you're right. They just throw too hard. The attendance can only do so much. And uh, I was a rehab coordinator for eight years. I said, holy cow. When you, when you sign these kids, the number one draft picks, you don't think of how fast they're going to get to the big leagues. I go on oh, when they're going to get hurt and how are we get it. You know, <laughs> and they, they, They just, I don't know. It's just a power game. Throw hard, swing hard.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's just not enough value to pitching. We talk about on this show all the time people that pitch. I like the way you said that you get your bonus from your fastball. That's your fastball bonus. Yeah. Then then you got to learn how to pitch. Yeah. There's so many guys that get all the way through the system and they're still, they're still hanging on to that fastball bonus.
0: Yeah.
2: They think that that's going to get them to the big leagues and be a winning pitcher. Yeah. You well, know, I know that uh, you know we talk. I've talked about this in the past about statistics and and analytics and those kind of things. And I remember and I always tell this story. I have told it before on the air with uh, Earl. You know, I was driving Earl to the golf course one day, mm-hmm. and and Bobby Bonds was out there and he was available. Gosh! And I said, I said, Earl, I said, would you would you want Bobby Bonds on the team? He goes, no. No way. And I go, why? Hell, the guy can try, hits 30, 40 home runs a year. And he goes, he goes, check out how he does with a man on third with less than two outs in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. <laughs> and I said, you got to be, really? And he goes, yeah. He says he never scores the guy. And I'm like, wow. And so years later, they started all the statistical analysis and stuff. I said, Earl was on top of that years and years ago oh, he was
3: yeah he was sharp
2: yeah How, didn't he because i remember talking to you and flanny about like sometimes he would pitch you he would like flip-flop the rotation and stuff i'm going, really he go, oh yeah i might not pitch for a week and then because he wanted me to match up against the yankees
3: yeah well a lot of times it was Palmer's thing you know i'd be next to him in the rotation and there'd be an off day come up and next thing I know, you know, and I saw it. Earl would say, "Hey, come here," and I go, "Okay, yeah, fine, I'm fine." <laughs> Give, it <you> <laughs> Give it to your son. He <laughs> "My stuff doesn't matter. I can I can throw on ten days, five doesn't matter. We're good." <laughs> he just, okay, go ahead. So yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. It,
2: who you know? You played with and you were around so many great pitchers, and you spent your whole career in the Orioles uniform. Um, who were some of the guys? And I know I know a lot of them, and you've got some good stories, I'm sure, with you know Palmer and and Boddicker and Flanny and all those guys. Uh, you know, have you got anything you want to like share with us about like how they they helped you as a mentor? Or whatever, because I remember one thing I observed all the time when I was with the Orioles was how you guys were like a unit. You yeah. watched each other warm up, you know, throw your sides. You'd, you'd be talking on the bench, and, and you'd see a guy do something, and one of you would notice it and say, hey, did you see that? See what he's doing? Yeah. And it was unbelievable. You guys just coached each other.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I just was telling uh, Hyde that this, just today I was talking to him. We were talking in the bullpen. And he was talking to Gibson, one of the new kids that they got starter. And they were talking about some of that stuff. And I happened to hear him. I backed up. I said, I used to ask my kids when I was coaching in the minor leagues, the starters, I'd get them together. i go, how many games are you going to start this year? We got 142. How many games are you going to start? Oh, they'd throw out 28, 29, whatever. I go, no. They go, what? I go, there's 142 games. You pitch every pitch of every game. You pitch them with each other. You're determined every night that we're going to win this game and I'm going to help you and I'm going to – And I. I. that's the way we were, Mark. I mean, I, I would be on the mound. If I would throw a fastball and the guy took a big swing and you're not quite sure if he was on, I'd look in. They'd say, no, back, go, go. No, yeah, you better throw a change up. If I didn't know what I a pitch, if I was stuck, I'd look in. They'd give me a sign, a location. I mean, that's the way it worked the whole time. I mean, we were determined every night to win that game, and we were going to help each other do it one way or the other. And uh, that was incredible. It really was.
2: Well, you know, I, I mean, that's what I used to preach with all our Rockies pitchers, that, you know, you don't take time off during a game. You're watching yeah. to get information, and you're yeah. talking with other pitchers. while you're there. I said, you know, as a pitching coach for 17 years in the big leagues, I pitched every pitch of every game for seventeen years, including playoffs, World Series. Oh, yeah. You know, and if we had a one of those seventeen inning games, yeah. I was freaking exhausted at yeah. the end of that game. And what I until when I liked it when I was when I was watching one of our games because I knew the game plan, I knew how we were going to play, I knew the adjustments we were making during the game. Was when I could sit there. And I could understand why every pitch was thrown. Now, I knew they weren't going to all land in the right spots. Sure. But is I was totally comfortable with the games when I could watch and I'd see the choices with the catcher and pitchers were the right ones. You know, yeah. I'd go, hey, they, that was a good pitch. They, they got it up, but that was really the pitch to throw. Mm-hmm. And I'd look at videos afterwards and I'd see – yeah, he was trying to go in. And he got it away. The guy drove it to right center, but he he had the right pitch chosen, you know. And I felt good about it. And guys would beat themselves up, and I would show the pitchers and catcher that hey, don't be. You guys called the right pitch. It's it's a human error. Yeah. I said, When I get mad is when we've gone over a guy, and we're going to do a certain thing, and you go totally backwards. Yeah. You have no reason for it, and that's what bothers me in today's game. Is they don't know how to call their own game because they never did in high school, college, (laughs) minor leagues. Everybody's calling the pitches. It's hard to be invested in a pitch when you're not calling it yourself.
3: Sure. Well, you know, it's hard. You know, I'm down there with them, you know, right in the midst of all this. And the Orioles with Elias came over from Houston. So we are all in with analytics here. But uh, I just know that, you know, I talk to them sometimes. I say, What'd you do? I said, Well, in the minor leagues we had no coach we yeah. had a manager and a trainer so herm schneider wasn't going to teach me how to throw you know but cool. I, I, in all my career i mean when you came there we were i was, you had me throw long toss for the first time just to try and do something with this arm but in the in in the minor leagues we just they they gave you a ball and said go get them kid you know you, you figure it out we talked with each other and and you had to figure it out now that there's so much information overload to them, but it's the way the world is now. So, but I, they said, what was your plan? I said, well, when I came to the ballpark, Ray Miller would put a ball in each of my shoes and the chart for my last game. And that was my video, Mark. I could look at that and I could see everything that happened in that game. I got to adjust there. No, he's still the same. Oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. And that was my game plan. And I'd go out with that and then you would adjust off that. But I, I never had anybody call a game for me my whole life. And I never had anybody all through my pro career work on my fastball or grip or talk to me about how, how I held a curveball. We just did it ourselves.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, there's a coach for everybody now. Oh if they, even, if they even have a If they have an instructional league program, it's always, you know, how many pitching coaches should we bring in? Uh, we've got 25 pitchers, you know, we need to have a pitching coach for every three or whatever, you know, like you're right. We never, we didn't have pitching coaches. I mean, there was mistakes made, no doubt, no doubt that some of our teammates hurt their arms because there wasn't a a, a good enough uh, look of, of people that knew what they were doing watching them. Mm -hmm. But, but, you know, there's also some good elements to it.
3: Yeah. Oh Yeah. Now you learn to think for yourself. I remember one year uh, we signed uh, Ryan Hubel and Brandon Fahey out of Texas. This must've been like 2002 when I was in Aberdeen, and uh, they just won the national championship. So Hubel was the catcher, and he got to Aberdeen in the first game. He sat down next to me right before going out. He goes, hey, Mac, what's your signs? I said, what? He goes, what's your signs? And I looked at him, I go, I'm a Capricorn. What are you? (laughs) He goes, what do you mean? I go, I ain't calling nothing. You should have seen his look. I said, you kidding me? I go, it's on you, pal.
2: It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable.
3: But I I said, I go, hey, it's on you. But I'm with you. If you need anything, look over. But don't be looking over here all the time because there's times I'm going to turn my head and say, no, figure it out. And we'll talk about it in between. It's the only way you're going to learn.
2: Well, you know, that's why, you know. I've always put in play where we had – in today's world, if we have technology, I'm going to use it what I can. Oh, yeah. So if I had video or I had – you know, with the Rockies, we have a theater in spring training, a beautiful theater where you could do presentations and stuff. And we would do presentations on hitter evaluation, use of the fastball, sure. you know, uh, pitching behind, holding runner, <coughs> We do that at a young age when they first come in because we know nobody's done it to them yeah. their whole lives yet, and so we gotta let them experience it in hope that some of it sticks, you yeah. know. And uh, I can tell you over the years, you know, of teaching guys and working with guys, I've had guys from that I had with the Indians in like 1995 that came up to me. In, in like 2005, pitching for another club and said, Mark, remember when you used to tell me this? And I go, yeah. And he goes, I finally figured it out. Right. I know what you were talking about. And, right. I, and I laugh. And I go, but you know what? You've got to give it to him. Like I always say, oh, well, he guys would go, oh, they're not ready for it, Mark. And I go, well, if they're not ready for it, it's not going to stick anyway. Yeah, right. Well, Who cares? Or maybe – they can draw from it sometime, or maybe they can use it right now. Maybe they're a guy that's special. They can use some of the stuff. Yeah. And that's where you have to, you almost have to force guys to learn to call a game. You have to force guys to know the value of throwing change-ups.
3: Definitely. Oh yeah. The changeup is, that's <laughs> everything to me. I mean, it's, Especially, you know, with these guys throwing 100, it doesn't matter. They throw 200, they hit it, you know. But, uh, you know, if you come out, like I said earlier, if you come up with that pitch that's coming straight at them and they don't, they're don't, they not sure, <laughs> that, that changes things. But, uh, well, you
2: know, I mean, I'm sure that you know how they talk now and they they do some delivery analysis and they see why some people are successful that hide the ball better than other people. Yeah. And and I think we kind of knew that back in our era, but but I, I think that when we think back probably your style yeah, where yeah. you had that short cross your body stride and yeah. that hesitation, it probably added to to your deception to where they didn't pick the ball up as good.
3: Oh yeah. And it was
2: unique to you too.
3: Oh yeah. Well yeah. Like the ball just came right out of my ear. And so uh, no guys used to say that. Bobby Gritsch told me one day in Anaheim, he goes, we can't hit you. <laughs> I said, you, you, you throw we, – we look for one thing, you throw the other. <laughs> I said,
2: that simple? <laughs> yep, predictability. And that's that's something that, you know, they have all the information you'd ever need about what how guys hit and counts, what pitches pitchers throw and counts, mm-hmm. like that. If you can be a guy to where they can't – figure out what you throw in different counts. Yeah. You get a monster advantage in today's game. But that goal goes about commanding different pitches.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, command is
2: big. Yeah. We had a a guy, you know, you talk about hiding the ball. We had a guy, I mean, you remember, Bentoncourt? Yeah. Bentoncourt pitched. He pitched with the Indians. He pitched with the Rockies. Mm -hmm. He was a back-end bullpen guy. Um, Great guy. Great competitor great worker, paid attention to detail, but he was a he was a converted shortstop and got to the big leagues pretty quick with the Red Sox, I think it was. Yeah, as a kid and he said, you know, and I I used to watch him pitch against us and I used to go, "Guy, look it's so straight. I can't believe guys can't get on it." Yeah. You know, and so when I had him with the Rockies, I stood behind him on his sides as much as I could, and I figured out why they couldn't see him because he threw, like you said, he threw it right out of his ear. Yeah. There was no arm swing. They could not see an arm swing. Yeah. And I said, so even when his velocity went from 95 to 90, he was just as effective because he commanded the ball just as good, and his deception was the same.
3: Yeah. Lanny used to say I threw the invisible ball.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: on that invisible ball again tonight. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, you guys—you uh, had so many it's good, pers- so many great personalities with the yeah. You know, I mean, Still- I had Mike Boddicker yeah. uh, in the minor leagues. I played with Mike at the end of my career in AAA. I became his pitching coach, and then he got to the big leagues with you guys in '83. I never could figure out why, you know, of all the guys I played with in the minor leagues. Bob, one year I was there, I, 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 was, I swear he never threw a bad game the entire year. Oh, he was good. I never, he pitched like seven, nine innings every time out and never had a bad game, never got hammered. And then I went to manage in in A, and I left for a few years. And and he stayed in AAA. And I'm going, why isn't he in the big leagues by now? We barely. And, and he just, of course, you had a lot of really good pitchers. Yeah. And that, that backed a lot of people off. I mean, even position players over the years that got stuck because, you know, when you got Brooks Robinson playing third, it's tough, you know. yeah. Uh, but but uh, it was amazing to me, you know, what could be done in that organization with the different guys that you had and different abilities and how everybody seemed to get into, like you said, watching the games and feeding off of each other and, and there's also, there's also that thing where you expect a, a, a good outcome.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, when you're watching Jim Palmer out there and you see him deal and you go, well, I can do that. Well, yeah. And soon you start thinking, you, you, you think you're going to win before you even go out there.
3: Well, it seemed like we always had at least two of us winning all the time. And if you were in a slump, you're right, you get to watch winning. And so we- you know, osmosis hits again and you just go back out there and say, okay, I can do this, you know, and it was uh, Flanny and I Aaron just out-pun each other during the game sometimes but we were in Oakland and Flanny and I threw shutouts and Palmer gave up a run so (laughs) so after the game I got Flanny, come here, I stood behind Jim in his locker and I said, hey who gave up a run? Oh, (laughs) he got so mad (laughs) he hated it when we outdid him. He absolutely hated
0: it. Uh,
1: hey, Scott. When you, you guys had a reputation for going deep into games and completing a lot of games, yeah. how much of that was mindset? How much of that was training? What was the secret to that?
3: It was training. It was just what we did. You know, you you we didn't lift weights. And uh, we didn't uh, overthrow and we we could pitch all day long, you know, and uh, as long as we were getting people out and keeping the ball down the zone, Earl wouldn't get somebody up. And uh, I threw, you know, 200 innings a year in the minor leagues, complete games. You know, in high school we played legion ball, so we pitched nine innings every time out. And uh, so it was just what you did. There was no pitch counts. You know, I know they – you know, I'm sure they had it because we had our chart there. And I'm sure they had, but it was effectiveness. As long as you were effective, you just kept pitching.
1: Now you knew when Earl Weaver came out to the mound, it was basically flipping the ball, and you were out. Yeah. There was one time though, he came out against Cleveland early in the game. I think Andre was it. Thornton was hitting. Yeah, you've heard my story. Yeah, I want to hear you tell that.
3: <laughs> that was the only time where people say, "How was Earl?" I go, "He only yelled at me once." Every time we'd go back into Cleveland with that monstrous stadium with about five people there, we never played. We played down to that level, and he was furious about it. And so I went out and walked the first two guys, and then Andre hit a three-run homer. He came out and unloaded on me uh, all his verbiage, and so and so I shut him out the rest of the way, and we won five to three. And afterwards, he walked by. And he goes, "See, see." <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Don't, don't walk those guys. <laughs> but no, he—I uh, had no problem with him because I always pitch good for him, so he left me alone.
1: Yeah. And I, I don't want to steal the—I I want Mark to be able to finish up with the last questions. But we're supposed to have Rod Carew on next week, oh, and you and I—we talked a little bit before the show. I want to be able to tell him. Scott McGregor told me he knows how to get you out. Tell us how you got Rod Carew out.
3: You know, the thing is, just tell him that what made me upset is he he he, gave, he blamed Dempsey. I said, no, it wasn't Dempsey. That was me. I figured that out. You know, but, uh, yeah, he didn't like my slow curveball, but I could throw him five or six in a row and think I had him set up for a fastball, and I'd duck, when he hit it straight with my head. He was amazing. Yeah. Mark was saying it before that his hand eye coordination was impeccable. It was unbelievable. And uh, he was something else. Rodney just, uh, I'll never forget one at bat off of Flannie. And Flannie was always dropping down, throwing stuff and fouling things off. It got 3 2. Flannie dropped down, and Rodney just turned around, bunted it perfect, you know, out in front of the mound, a little backspin and stopped dead. (laughs) Ran to first base. (laughs) Flanny just looked at him, tipped his hat. And says, Go ahead. You know, that was yeah, you know, that was Rodney. He was uh, he was amazing. But yeah, just tell him I, I had fun pitching against him and glad I helped him
1: get all those hits. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Mark. I didn't mean to steal that one. Yeah, his uh, his hand
2: eye was ridiculous. And huh. I was lucky enough for a short time to play with Rod. And uh, I've also seen him as a coach. He, he's unbelievable. Nice. I, I I always tell guys that you know, one time I was pitching against Rod in squad game in spring training, and you know I had a changeup, and changeup was one of my better pitches, and and uh, I set him up for a changeup like two one, and I, I threw my best changeup, and he took it. Yeah. And he yells at me, and he goes, "Boy, that was a good pitch, Mark." And I'm like, "Why, <laughs> why didn't you swing at it then?" He's like, That's I want you to make an out. I don't want you to tell me it's a good pitch. <laughs> you know, he could just see stuff, man. He was unbelievable.
3: Yes, yeah, you know, tw- 2010 vision, probably some of those. Yeah, things.
2: I'm sure. I'm sure he did. Well, it's been great. Um, you, the is there any? Is there any? Um, Anybody you want to give some kudos to as far as helping you through your career as a, a coach or a fellow player that maybe had a little bigger impact than other people did?
3: Yeah. Uh, my high school coach, but John's passed away by now. He was tremendous back then. He really had Georgie and I reading psycho-cybernetics and things like that back then. But he would take <laughs> us out to uh, Dodgers if they had a – clinic or something going on in the off season he'd take us out sit me in front of the pitchers george in front of the hitters and one year uh paul doyle had the best left-handed pickoff move back then so he was speaking at long beach he took me out there to sit in front of him and listen to that and so john was incredible he he did great
2: uh you know, and Earl was a like he was a disciple of John Scalinus with the yeah. cybernetics. Yeah, he
3: was he was really good. He really poured into us. And then uh, when I was with the Yankees out of high school, Stottlemyre and Catfish were, were incredible. We've lost them both, unfortunately, but they were such great mentors. They were. I was throwing a bullpen once as, as a kid then back in Fort Lauderdale. Those two were standing there watching, and I was throwing, doing something, and they said, hey, why don't you try this? And no, why don't you try that? And I turned to him and goes, well, what are you guys trying to help me for? I'm trying to take your jobs. They just laughed. They go, yeah, okay. <laughs> 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 but they were good. And then obviously when I got here, Jimmy was amazing. Palmer, I mean. Ray Miller was a great pitching coach, but Jim Palmer just won 20 games, like seven out of the last eight years with three scion awards. Who was the pitching coach?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he was – what a great example.
3: Oh, my gosh. I mean, he took Lanny and me and Dennis Martinez and just taught, you know, taught us how to pitch a game and watch the hitters. And now we talk about videos and stuff. But, Mark, we saw that pitch, you know, when we charted, we always charted, you know, the, the ball that was hit, we'd put you know one, uh, uh, U-I up and in, one middle, one low and away, one just low, one and we'd put we'd try and put every breaking ball, middle, you know thigh high, So yeah. a good breaking ball hitter. No, he's not. He's a thigh high breaking ball hitter, but not the good ones. So we we could see it. You you know you know you've been there long enough yeah. in the dugout. You can see that oh, that ball was inside a little bit. People look at you like what? So hey, we've been watching this for a long time, you know. So we learned to we learned to watch, and then of course we'd run inside on the TV and watch when somebody's pitching to somebody just to see where the pitches actually are. And uh, you know, but Jimmy was incredible. You know, he was he. Uh, I give him all. I give him lots of credit for helping.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, for a guy that started out at such a young age, and was so huh. tremendous through his whole career. Not too many people have ever done that.
3: No, no not too many people have ever pitched a season with average eight and two thirds innings.
2: Sell <laughs> <I know. laughs> that to the guys in today's game. Oh, I do. They just they
3: fall
0: over, you know.
2: So well, I that? told you, I had uh, when I was the pitching coach for the Marlins, I had uh, Jim Cott talk mm-hmm. to the pitchers. And yeah. uh, and I had you know, a of course they didn't know who Jim Cott was, no, you know, which always pissed me off. So yeah. I put the I printed out Jim's stats for his whole career, and I said, This guy's going to talk to us in two days. I want you guys all to study this and read this. <laughs> and they'd come up to me and they'd go, Mark, he threw 300 innings, he, he threw. 25 complete games. He won 20 games five times. was going on. They were like, I go, yeah, and you don't know who he is. Are you kidding me? (laughs) And he was just phenomenal. You know how good a speaker Jim is anyway. I know he's got our podcast and our network now, which is, I'll tell you what, I would tell anybody anytime to, if you can't listen to it live, you better tape it.
0: Yeah. You know, well, thanks
2: so much for being with us, Scotty. This was a, a great show, and it was so nice to have you on and give some people insights on, you know, what great pitchers think and what great teams, how they approach the game.
3: Yeah, Thanks, Mark, and Dave, for having me. I, I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, you were great, Mark. Great great show, as usual. We miss Will George here on Day at the Yard, Common Sense Pitching, but Scott McGregor, you were great. And I would, just for our audience, when you were mentioning George, our audience knows he was talking about Hall of Famer George Brett. And yeah. Ken, when you were talking earlier, that's Ken, Brett, George's brother, who we used yeah. to watch growing up. So um, we don't want our audience to be illiterate, Mark, because we know that's our mission, right? Build, build a better baseball IQ. Yeah. For these people out there. But thanks again for the show. The great Scott McGregor on, tremendous career as a player and then as a coach. And glad you're still down there with these young guys teaching them the game, um, you know, in the spring training. So keep doing that as long as you can. They need it. Thank you. I enjoy it. Yep. And uh, this is Real Voice of the Game Productions. Day at the Yard, Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will. Will's down on assignment with with spring training. But reminder to our audience, 12,600 subscribers. Continue to download, listen, like, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. I'll respond to Facebook questions every morning. And we are on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher. Guys, have a great day, and thanks again for a great show.
0: Welcome. Thanks, buddy. All the while rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial, talking baseball, Kazuski camp.